It is interesting. I didn't tell Kevin. He didn't tell me the song selection today. Uh, Pat, the verses. Everything I'm going to preach on we'll find in what we just sang and what we heard from the children. Um, this is how God works. This was not planned. But I will tell you, um, you don't know how much you miss somebody till you get to see them again. And I missed you. I missed this church uh, greatly. I did not like being sick. I did not like being out. And I want to preach uh, the sermon that I intended to preach I had a little extra time to amp it up and tweak some things, which was good. But um, I didn't want to go this year without talking about this. Um, I'm excited about it. There's no title to this sermon. It's just about Thanksgiving. Now, before I start, I do want to say that technically where I left off with you was at Missions Conference. And Ed Germain, uh, that sermon, I loved, loved his sermon. I know it was for missions, but that was a Thanksgiving sermon. If you listen to it in its entirety, that sermon, we could have just replayed that on the screen. Um, but I'm going to piggyback on that. And then, of course, Ken, thank you, Ken, filling in, talking about the living sacrifice. I'm going to bring that up too. So what I'm getting at is everything that's been done in the last two weeks, the verses that were recited today, the songs that we just sang have led up to this. So if you're in your Bibles, you should be in Psalm 107. If you're not, please turn to Psalm 107. We're going to concentrate on verses 1 through 22 today, but I've broken them up because there's some things I really want to talk about with you. And I'm excited about this. I really am. Um, I'm going to explain a little bit more about that excitement uh, as we get to it. But I am really amped up today because, number one, I've been laying in bed. <laughs> number two, I can breathe and it's fun to be outside and be with people again. But this, this message uh, has really triggered me. So if you're in Psalm 107, let's just look at the first verse together. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. We heard that today, right? We heard that in word. We heard that in song. He is good, and His love endures forever. Good. Good. What do we really mean by good? Folks, God is just in all His ways. He is correct. So in all His dealings with mankind, He is right. He is good. That's what we're talking about. And His great mercy, it never stops. It never stops. It never ceases to precede His judgment. It never ceases. So we can see His mercy preceding judgment in the story of Noah. We can see his mercy preceding judgment in the dealings with, with Pharaoh. We can see this in the messages from the prophets and especially in the gospel message of Jesus Christ where people are presently living in a time of grace. His mercy is seen in this present time of grace before His judgment comes. Yes, He is good, and His love is an enduring love. So let's take the psalmist's lead here, and, which is a hymn of thanksgiving, is what this psalm is. It's a hymn of thanksgiving to the Lord, and let's talk about thanksgiving. 
Because of God's goodness, folks, and His steadfast love towards us, we were all delivered in this time of grace. Every single one of us has been delivered in this time of grace preceding His judgment. So His mercy towards us preceded His judgment. We have been what we call delivered. And this is thanksgiving. So let's look at verses 2 through 9 in your Bibles. Psalm 107, 2 through 9. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert waste, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man, for He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul He fills with good things. Church family, here is the purpose of this psalm. Let the redeemed of the Lord give Him thanks. In other words, let them say so. So in Psalm 107, we are going to see people in some kind of trouble and in need of rescue. Over and over again, we're going to see this. In this trouble, they cry out to the Lord, and He delivers them. No one else. God delivers them. At this deliverance, it is said, let them thank the Lord. Repeatedly, this is the order of events. Now, the redeemed of the Lord have an overwhelming number of reasons for declaring the goodness of God. We could spend the rest of this day with a wireless mic going around this room, and each of us could share, and Sunday I'm going to do this, and declare the goodness of God in our very lives in this very church. We would be here for quite some time because we have an endless number of reasons to declare the goodness of God. This first grouping of verses, though, it reveals to us the deliverance of the lost Now, these wanderers, finding no way to a city to dwell in, church, have you ever been lost? If you've been lost, it can be a very, very frightening event in a person's life uh, when they realize they are lost. Do you remember being a kid and losing track of your mom, let's say, in a department store, aisle to aisle? panic starts to grow. You're not tall enough to find her. You're not loud enough. You can't find your mom. You can't find your dad. It's a terrifying experience. What about going off course at sea? Or for us, more likely it's in the woods on a trail. I have been lost twice, and it was very, very scary. I even served on a search and rescue team here to help find people that are lost way back in the day. Being lost is a terrifying event. I've seen it firsthand. I've experienced it. Have you? Because I want that to trickle over into what we're going to talk about with the lost. And of course, if you said, no, no, I've never been lost. I've been pretty blessed. Well, we can all relate 
lost to our spiritual condition. So yes, we have all been lost. Usually when someone is lost, the first thing we do is we cry out for help. We cry out for help in the hopes that someone will hear us and that someone will come to our aid. In the text that we just read, deliverance does come. It comes in the form of people being led by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. So picture being lost and someone saying, if you go this way, you will find relief, you will find comfort, you will find safety. A straight way has been made. So this may be alluding to the exile. This psalmist may be alluding to the exile with, this, with these words, where people had no home, they had no city, they had no country, they were wandering, they were lost, and they were looking for a place to settle. You got a picture being taken away from everything you know, being placed somewhere else, and then released. Where do I go? It's, a, it, it, it's terrifying to be lost. Now, To be lost in this world is a little different for a Christian. Um, we are wanderers. I don't know if you know this, church family, talking about being lost. We are wanderers. We are actually exiles. Now, while we were born into this world, we are not of this world. We are actually strangers here. We are aliens. We are pilgrims. Now, growing up as a little kid, I'm going to be straight with you. I thought the people group on that Mayflower, on that boat, were called pilgrims because that was their name of their group. I didn't realize they were called pilgrims because they were on a pilgrimage. I just thought that people group is called pilgrims. Pilgrims I associate with Thanksgiving. It was later... Like a lot of you, I learned that no, a pilgrim is a person who is, has a religious purpose or a religious reason for their journey. They are on a pilgrimage for a reason. So then I look at the pilgrims on the Mayflower and okay, I go, I realize now they're on a pilgrimage because they are seeking religious freedom from the Church of England. Okay, now I get it. And that's who we are. We are pilgrims on a journey. So if there is a religious purpose for our journey, church family, we are pilgrims. We are on a pilgrimage. But what city are we looking for? What are we looking for? Did you know Abraham will look for a city? In Hebrews 11.10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. You know, Hebrews 11 is a wonderful chapter of faith. We know that. It speaks of a lot of people of great faith. In fact, all these great people of faith um, in Hebrews 11 profess to be strangers on their journey as they look forward to God's promises. Let me prove it. Hebrews eleven thirteen. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So if this is not our home, if we are on a pilgrimage, what then is our destination? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.1 helps shed some light on this. For we know 
that if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So forget your home. Forget where you reside. Let's talk about the body. We are tented. This is temporary. This body, and I just got over the flu, I will tell you is not going to make it in an eternal home. This temporary tent. No, it will be changed. I will be, it will be replaced with the immortal. It will be replaced with the permanent. That's what we are on a pilgrimage for. That's what we're seeking. So here is our purpose. Here is the reason for our pilgrimage, an eternal and impermanent home with God. Now, you may not have realized it at the time when you were lost, I'm talking about your condition as a believer in Jesus Christ. When you were lost, you may not have realized it at the time, as so many have and still are, but we were all hungry. We were all thirsty. We were all fainting within. We all wandered aimlessly. We were lost until our encounter with Jesus. I told you, seeing you today made me miss, realize how much I missed you. When you come to Jesus and you could look back and you go, my goodness, I was thirsting for you all this time. I was hungry for you all this time. Nothing satisfies in this world. Nothing can fill that void until that encounter with Jesus. Then our way was made straight. You know, Proverbs tells us to make a straight path for our feet to stay on the path. Don't swerve to the left. Don't swerve to the right. Stay on that path. That is you and I experiencing deliverance. So thank God for his love. Thank God for his wondrous works. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Church family, have you ever sat down and contemplated the wondrous works of God? Have you ever sat down and tried to count or attempted to count the number of blessings, the many, many blessings in your life because of the work Jesus has done, because of the way he made for you? See, giving thanks is not only the least we can do. Sometimes it's all that we can do is give thanks. It can be overwhelming to think about the blessings in your life life. I want to read a couple verses from uh, uh, Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35, 8 through 10. Listen to this. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. You remember that straight way I was talking about? Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The way of holiness we are on that way, not swerving to the left, not to the right. Jesus made that way. Let the redeemed say so. So yes, church family, in this beginning, some wandered. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They were fainting. 
but he satisfies the longing soul. He fills the hungry with good things. These are his wondrous works. This is deliverance. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Look at, in 107, look at verse 10. Psalm 107, let's look at verse 10. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God <coughs> and spurs in the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with labor. They fell down with none to help. Then, hear that? Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. We're moving from the deliverance of the lost to captivity. This is the deliverance of the captivity even more. It's the deliverance of the guilty. We were guilty. We were not innocent. So let's talk about the deliverance of the guilty. This grouping of verses shows that some sat in darkness, imprisoned. They were afflicted. They were chained bound in irons. Why? It was their own doing. It was their own doing. They had rebelled against the words of God. They had turned on him. They spurned his counsel. Again, we're talking about most likely the exile here. There's a reason they were taken captive. They were guilty. Can you imagine being imprisoned or chained and shackled? You know, I know a lot of you pretty well, but I don't know all your history. Maybe you do know a little bit about being imprisoned or shackled, and you'll share that story with me one day. I personally have never been in prison, according, I'm sure the elders did the background check. I've never even been in jail, but I can't imagine being, having my space and my life limited to a small section of real estate. That doesn't sit well with me. I can't imagine being shackled and tethered to something. In fact, tethered to a particular spot, restricted in movement. Don't restrict me. Restricted in movement, limited to what you can see and do. In Fernandina Beach, Florida, which is right next to Jacksonville, there's a place called Fort Clinch. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a Civil War fort, still not functioning, but it's still open to the public. It's a Civil War fort, but it's also a Civil War hospital. That's what it's known for. It's a beautiful campground, awesome playground. People can stay there, picnic, whatever you want. But what's really cool is going to the fort because it's still erect. It's still up. Some of the buildings have deteriorated, but some still stand. And you can see a lot of the things that were used in the hospital, a lot of things in the blacksmith shop, the very things they used are still in this fort. But in the guard's house that still stands, there were four beds. One side was a jail cell, a simple cell. You could probably put four or five people in it. The other side was this black steel door. It was intimidating. You open this heavy door, and it's just, I mean, maybe the size of this pulpit, and about a few feet out, it was just like a closet with a hole in the floor. 
solitary confinement. I went into this room, shut that door behind me, and I can tell you isolation, separation, loneliness, misery. That's what I felt, and I was a free man on vacation. I can't imagine having a sentence imposed on me where I am limited and restricted and tethered to a spot where there's no one to help. You, you, you read it in the Bible, there's none to help, right? You are living in the shadow of death. That has to be one of the worst places a person can find themselves, trapped. And there's millions upon millions who are living in this trap, isolated, lonely, miserable, and separated from Jesus. Millions. How do I get out? I put myself in that little room. I can remember it to this day. How do I get out of here? How do I escape? How do I find freedom? How, how, how? You know these are the questions people ask themselves when they're incarcerated. How do I get out of this? Well, this group also, like the previous, cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them in their distress. We cannot even count the amount of people today that are bound and chained to this world and its deceptive offerings. Did you hear me? There are so many people, we know them, we work with them, we're related to them, that are bound and chained to this world and its deceptive offerings. For so many, folks, right now on this earth is the closest to heaven that they will ever be. That is the scary part about being a wanderer, a pilgrim. Here's the scary part. Ending the journey. Now follow me on this. Ending the journey where you say, you know what, I'm just going to settle in a place where I am going to rebel against God. You know what, I'm going to end the journey here and I'm going to settle in a place where I just reject God. I'm going to end my journey and settle in a place where I'm going to spurn his counsel. Not knowing that by doing so, you have imprisoned yourself. You have set the bars in place that now cage you in. How do you find freedom when you are bound to the world? How do you find freedom when you are bound to Satan? How do you find freedom when you're bound to the passions of the self? What can one do in such a horrible and miserable place? Well, the text over and over teaches us to cry out to God. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Some sat in darkness. They were sitting in the shadow of death. They were prisoners living in affliction uh, and chained with irons. But what does Scripture say? He shatters the doors of bronze, and he cuts into the bars of iron. These are his wondrous works. This is deliverance. The guilty delivered. The lost delivered. This is you and I I'm speaking about too. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's look at verse 17 in our text. Psalm 107, verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. (coughs) Excuse me. 
They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. What an instruction manual. Deliverance from sickness. Deliverance from disease. You know, sin, church family, sin is at the root of all sickness and disease stemming from the fall. Let's just get that straight. Because of the fall, we have these things. Now, while we can suffer under the affliction of sickness uh, through the natural course of life, which I know a lot of us are right now, we can also be responsible for our disease. We can also be responsible for our sickness due to our actions and choices. The Bible says it right here in the beginning of verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways. Drunkenness is a sinful way. Folks, I'm going to tell you, alcohol will wreak havoc on the body. Seen it four times in my family, destroying the inside of a person's body for the rest of their life. Choices, gluttony. Gluttony can ruin a life. It can tear up a body. Same thing with indulgence. We know there are some things we should not be indulging in. Indulgence is dangerous, ground. Smoking, that will destroy the inside of your body. Substance abuse, all forms of substance abuse. These are the different choices people make. They destroy this tent. It may not happen that year. But I'm telling you down the road, you will pay dearly for the choices that you have made. Did you know some that we can become so sick that we don't want to even eat? Some will become so dehydrated because they don't even want to drink. Think about this. Loathing food? Loathing food. And I know I've had a lot of conversations with you people. We like food. Loathing food. Now that is someone who is suffering affliction. That is someone who is suffering affliction. Once again, these cried out to God and he healed them. He delivered them. As a result, the pattern that we are seeing over and over, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love and for his wondrous works in healing. But you know what? Sickness does something awesome. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now. Sickness is a great reminder of deliverance by God. You'll be saying, well, wait a minute now. I was lost and delivered. I was, I was found. I was guilty, but now I'm delivered and I'm innocent. You are correct. But we may forget about being found. And we do sometimes. We take it for granted that we've been found. We forget about that deliverance. We forget that those chains were broken a long time ago about being imprisoned. It's easy to forget and let our Christianity just continue on and on. It's easy to forget where we came from in this deliverance. But sickness and disease are a constant reminder for our need for deliverance. Restored health, folks, it is a practical blessing that we have all come to know well. I had that stinking flu for a week and a half, if not more. Brittany had it too. Kids were great. Some of you got it, 
I believe some of y'all had some symptoms. Um, let me tell you what happened with the sickness and this, this, this flu thing. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't talk at all. <coughs> I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to eat. And you guys know I am a pig when it comes to food. I did not want to eat. I didn't even want to drink. There was one day I don't even remember waking up. Sickness can take its toll, whether it's by choice or whether it's running through uh, the course of life just naturally. But here's what I want to say about sickness. You have to face it. I prayed daily for healing. It did not come. I was not healed of this. It ran its natural course. But then relief started to, each day, the fever went away, you know? The ribs didn't hurt anymore from coughing. Things got better and better. But here's what happened as I was preparing this sermon. I went back. I am thankful that my transportation, we have two automobiles that can get from point A to point B, thankful. I didn't care about the cars, guys. I'm thankful for my pets, the love, the protection they give us. I wasn't thankful for the pets. My roof, my walls, my home, I was thankful that we had a place to live that keeps us dry and warm, but I wasn't thankful for the house. Do you want to know what I thought about with the flu? All I thought about was I didn't know God at one point in my life, and now I do. I kept thanking God for deliverance. I went back to Christianity 101, just the root things. I went back to the basics. I was thanking him that I was a saved man. If this sickness takes me, that's fine. I'm a saved man because I was found. I was guilty. I reflected on a lot of things. To realize the chains that I shackled myself, right, to Satan, to this world, to my pleasures and passions, the deliverance I received because I am guilty, fully guilty, and deserve what's coming, I thank God for deliverance. I wasn't thanking God for all the wonderful little blessings. I'll be honest with you. I was thanking God in sickness with that flu for deliverance. And as I was thanking him, I was praying for it over this sickness. And I thought that was amazing. I said to myself, my goodness, God, if I never thanked you for being saved, and thank you for clearing my guilt. I want to thank you now because this sickness, it's horrible. I'm miserable, and all I want is deliverance. That's what sickness does. And of course, as you know, God does heal. I am here. I am amped up. I am ready to go. You know what's cool, though? In these three groupings, by the way, this psalm goes on. There's another one. There's one about the storms that we face, being storm swept. But I'm going to stop there because in these three groupings that we have looked at today, Verse 22 gives us even more information uh, on how we are to respond. Let's look at verse 22 together. Psalm 107:22, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Ken spoke last week about living sacrifice. And Again, this is a God thing, how this all came. To be a living sacrifice means you and I, we are not conforming to this world, but we're making ourselves fully available to God. Uh, we're giving our full willingness to obey what he commands and asks of us. <coughs> In essence, we are offering ourselves. That's the living sacrifice. 
So let's talk about sacrifices of thanksgiving, because this appears in the Bible a few times. In the Levitical system, in the priestly system that was installed, there were many offerings. One of them was called a peace offering, the category of peace offering. This is where thankfulness would fall. So it's a thank offering that would be offered as a result of God's wondrous works in salvation from some form of distress. Maybe it was a battle. Maybe it was famine or sickness like we just talked about, possibly even death. It was a form of offering made to God. There was actually a sacrifice attached to this offering. Now, giving thanks and telling of his deeds and songs of joy is one thing, right? We just did that. How many went around the table on Thursday and before you ate said, let's give thanks or tell us what we're thankful for? <coughs> just us? Just my family? What? Well, come on now. Yeah, you go. There you go. Right? We, a lot of times we go around the table, uh-uh, you don't take a bite until you tell me what you're thankful for. No one said me, by the way. Okay. We had a great Thanksgiving, and I'm sure you did too. But did you realize, as Christians, we're not limited just to that one day to give thanks. But we probably sang songs of joy like we did today. We probably spoke of God's deeds. If you're not doing that, start doing that, please. It's good to hear what other people are thankful for and what God is doing in their lives. So this is a sacrifice. This is an offering. Now, have you ever heard of the term thanks living? I'm going I'm to scan. Thanks living? Okay, we got one. All right, so I'm not going to take credit for it then. Um, actually, in my studies, I read thanks living came up in a couple different articles I was studying. And I'll be honest with you. I thought it was corny. I was like, oh, they just want to rhyme with Thanksgiving. Come on, man. That's corny. I still think it's corny, but it's real. Thanks living. What is it? It's a sacrifice that takes effort or expense. Uh, it's offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and not only is it expressed in mind-felt gratitude, it is expressed in heartfelt gratitude that becomes active in a believer's life. It is visible. It is seen. That is thanksgiving. See, the thanks we want to give is lived out in the life of a believer as evidence of our genuine faith. It should be the natural outflow for a Christian. You guys realize that. This kind of gratitude and living it out in our lives, it should be the natural outflow from the gifts that we receive over and over from God. But you know what? I kept thinking to myself, how can I explain thanks living? So I went to Scripture, and I said, okay, here it is. I thought about the 10 lepers, if you know this story. I was thinking about the 10 lepers that were cleansed by Jesus uh, in the book of Luke. That's where I was at. The nine, 10 were healed of leprosy. The nine continued on. The nine continued on, but one returned, falling on his face at the feet of Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, is thanksgiving. He came back in display, fell face first at the feet of Jesus. That is thanks living. It is you and I offering ourselves to God in obedience for what he has done for us. We are the offering. Did you get that? 
We are the offering, giving thanks and living out thanks, all directed to God. You know, we have received, we have received the most incredible gift. In this gift, we have received the most incredible inheritance. In this gift, we have received the most incredible victory. It's ours. So we praise God. So we throw up our hands and we say hallelujah. We praise God for his wondrous works. But we also offer ourselves in gratitude for who he is. The Bible tells us to give thanks in all circumstances. Yes, it does. The Bible tells us that whatever we do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. It does. The Bible tells us giving thanks to God Well, it's his will for us. Like the leper, like that one leper, this should come from both the mind and heart. It should be both spoken and lived out. Psalm 50, 14 says this. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. This is personal. This is from the heart. It's not just lip service. It's from the heart. It is our sacrificial worship, and it is our sacrificial living that is our offering of thanksgiving. It is us. Is that where you're at? Are you able to live out thanks in your life? Because that's evidence of faith, friends. Not only giving it, but living it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you in gratitude. I come to you, Father, with a heart that is overwhelming right now with thankfulness and gratitude towards you. Father, every one of us knows that we were once starving for you, thirsting for you. You delivered us. You satisfied the longing soul. You filled us with good things. And in that, we know we are guilty. We deserve punishment. Yet, an encounter with Jesus removes that punishment. It removes that guilt. We've been made white as snow, clean, And that's because of Jesus Christ. We have been delivered from our guilt. Lord, we get sick, and it's a constant reminder of how much we want to be healed and delivered from that. But over and over, you deliver us from so many things. God, we're here today to thank you. We want to say the words, thank you. But Father, today as Christians, we come to you now asking for strength and courage to live that thanks out in our lives. Let that shine in our lives. Let people take notice. Our attitudes, the mercy we extend to others should all be reflected from what we have received, the gifts we receive. Let us live out thanks and not just speak it. That's my prayer for me, Lord. That's my prayer for every heart beating in this church today. Lord, that we are able to live out and be an offering of thanksgiving 
a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, Father, honoring you with the gratitude that we want to express towards you. We love you, God. We thank you for this. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.